I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Analyzing Everton with me, David Hughes and Josh Williams, as always. Um, this is an episode that's come a lot sooner than than we anticipated. Uh, we thought last week's episode would be the episode for the next few weeks, but unex- unexpected events uh, since then have meant that we're recording a... Well, I guess it's a little bit of a one-off episode here. I'm looking at Everton's manager situation after Carlo Ancelotti um, walked out at the beginning of the week to to take the vacant Real Madrid job. Um, before we get into that, Josh, bit of a wild few days. How are you? I'm all right, but I must admit I was surprised by this. Um, obviously, we've recorded fairly recently, actually. Uh, and we were speaking about certain concerns, maybe, with what was going on. But I certainly didn't expect a change in manager. And I didn't expect it to be, you know, Ancelotti stepping out and leaving as mm. quickly as he did. I thought it was, you know, I saw rumours coming out and things. And I thought it might have been a bit of a something that was going to be dragged out a little bit. But within days, he's gone. So, uh, yeah, definitely surprising. What about yourself? Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let, I mean, let's get straight into it. Uh, I was the same as you. I saw some of the. I must admit, I wasn't on social media much over the weekend. I don't know if you're the same, Josh, but because it's so entwined with work, uh, I often find that on the weekend that I don't go on it as much. I kind of have a little break from it, so I wasn't on a lot. But when I did, kind of dip me toe in. I saw some of these loose rumors linking them with the Real Madrid. Uh, Madrid job and I'll be honest I, I I kind of expected maybe that even if they were authentic he probably wouldn't you know be throwing his name in the hat too too aggressively at least because well Madrid Madrid have a, a little bit of a mess I know they're a really big club you know probably one of the biggest if not the biggest in the world um, but just the way things are the way it, all, it kind of played out last time he was there. I, I just didn't expect it. Um, but I've, it become very clear. Uh, it was either Monday or Tuesday that, you know, there was there was a lot of legs in this. And, and yeah, he, he ends up going. Initial thoughts, I was, I, I'll be honest. And this isn't sour grapes because thankfully, you know, we've, we've recorded hours of this show. Uh, there's plenty of pieces out there of mine. Um, stating my concerns with Everton under Ancelotti. So, as I said, it isn't sour grapes. But initially, I was I was quite relieved because I, because of a lot of the things that we, we touched on last week. Don't really need to dress it up anymore. You know, the football wasn't great. The underlying numbers were painting Everton as a, as a poor side. Um, you, can, you know, the transfer plan, we touched on that last week. 
it it looked from the outset like like it was going to be bad. It was going to be a bad summer, in my opinion. I think Evan, we're going to go for a lot of kind of over the hill, expensive players because that's that's what Ancelotti wanted to work with. So it hasn't necessarily been a bad thing at all, in my opinion, uh, as me and you discussed earlier in the week. But uh, that kind of relief quickly turned to a little bit of angst about you know who Everton are going to bring in after him because. I don't have that much faith um, in the Everton hierarchy for reasons that we'll probably come on to shortly. But what were, I guess you're more of an outside perspective, but I suppose you have, you know, an arm in it, shall we say, because of the show, because you're right about Everton, Evertonians in the family as well. Um, what were your initial thoughts on it all? Yeah, I think the biggest, the most surprising thing for me, as I said, was probably the how quickly it progressed from from A to B. You know, it, it did seem to go really, really fast. Um, and it looked like Everton were going to have a fairly stable summer, which you could, you can't really say for some other Premier League clubs, maybe. But it's just kind of thrown the situation up in the air, really. And, but I'm like you. I, I, I didn't initially view it as a problem. I didn't initially think... You know, Everton are losing. It didn't feel like a loss. I think that's probably a good way of putting it. Um, like, I think, you know, Ancelotti's been there now for 18 months. He's left. And for me, it, it doesn't feel like he's left unfinished business behind. It it, 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 it it was kind of, in my opinion, it looked like Everton didn't really have much of a destination under Ancelotti. I think at best, maybe he was going to deliver a, a domestic cup. But I think in terms of building something, you know, the way project is thrown about every now and then regarding Everton. I think I think there was always going to be, it was always going to be a bit of a short-term thing. It was always going to be a shortcut. And I think we, I think we, we maybe even referenced these, these concerns when he was first appointed. You know, there was lots of clamour around him when he, when he was appointed. Big name. It was deemed to be a statement on all this. But all that kind of doesn't really mean anything unless... You know, his qualities are translatable to Everton's current situation unless he was going to single-handedly, you know, transport Everton from what they currently were to what they wanted to become. And I'm just not sure that was ever going to happen. I think if he, you know, if, if he'd have remained in charge given another 18 months, I don't really know where Everton end up, but I don't think it's where Mashiri wants him to be. Um, so I've, I've got no issues with the change. I think it should be an exciting time. But I agree with you in terms of I don't have a, a, a whole lot of faith in Everton's ability to, to get this next one right. And there's there's obviously the possibility that I could end up worse. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's, it depends because they're linked with a whole host of names, so they could really go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, it might be a case of you know, don't get me wrong, it could be a case of better the devil, you know, uh, in terms of at least, you know, what was happening with Ancelotti. Um, but, you know, I, I, so I, I put a piece together uh, yesterday where we're recording on Thursday, so on Wednesday on the Liverpool Echo. Uh, if anyone wants to see it, uh, I did tweet it out at DA Hughes underscore. And it was basically just explaining why I think Everton you know, it could be a little bit of a blessing in disguise that he that he'd moved on. And a lot of people read the 
Peterson, to be fair, agreed. But there's one or two who said, you know, Ancelotti's the best manager ever to have had in the Premier League. You know, it's 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 all the players, this and that. But I just think if if you remove and this is going kind of leading on for the point you just raised, Josh. If you remove the name, if you remove what he's done, you know, at these elite clubs before he's come to Goodison Park, and just assess them purely on what you've what you've seen so far, I don't understand how you can mourn his loss. I really don't. He's he's on over eleven million a year. You know, the third highest paid manager in the division. And I'm of the opinion of even if, you know, we talked about Everton's squad, we don't particularly like it, do we? But for me, you know, if you line it up against the rest of the Premier League, I still think at worst it's maybe the, what, the 10th, 9th or 10th best squad in the division, you know, at worst. And I think if you're, if you're this elite manager, um, if you're earning that money, you're telling me you can't squeeze more out of that team. You know, you can't get results against Fulham, Newcastle at home, Sheffield United at home. You know, this forget yet forgetting, but Everton equals their joint worst home record in their club's history this season. You know, that's thinking of managers Everton have had, and it was Ancelotti who equaled that really poor record. So, you know, just just I'm not saying it might not have been successful. You know, you're right. You're right. Maybe he would have delivered a trophy. Maybe they would have snuck in to Europe. But all I'm saying is, based on what we've seen so far, there was no evidence that Everton were on that course at all. There was a slight improvement compared to last season, but it, it didn't look. It, it could have quite easily gone the other way this year if Everton had a little bit less luck, in my opinion. You know, we've we've already gone through the underlying numbers. We won't do it again. Um, but they just painted Everton as not not a great side, and you know, with with some bad fortune, it could have went the the other way, and Everton could have been you know fourteenth, fifteenth. I'd be interested to see if people were still saying the same thing. Well, I think in regarding that, I do think in terms of his job at Everton, I think Ancelotti was probably going to be a a floor raiser more than anything. I, th- I don't think you'll ever really drop below a certain position in the table when it comes to having Ancelotti in charge. But I think when it comes to raising your, raising your ceiling and what you what you might achieve regarding like finishing fourth or something like that, I think that is um was was a bit out of reach under him. I think he's he's gonna raise your floor, you're not gonna finish below a certain point. But I think we Everton were also really unlikely to consistently finish above a certain point with him as well. And it's yeah. funny that you've just mentioned about, uh, um, you know, the the, the ten is tenure, and if you remove his name, someone actually replied to a tweet I posted um, the other day around his 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 dismissal. Well, wasn't the dismissal was he left for Madrid? But someone said he did a good job, and my, my response to him was, I think if you remove his name and look at what he's done, what's been achieved, whatever, the finish, the wins, the performances, everything all included, but you remove the name, it just looks like an absolutely bang average tenure. You know, the, the tenure of, the, the tenure that any old manager would have, not not just, mm. not, not a European winner, you know. So, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it could be a blessing in disguise if Everton use the situation well. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'll be honest, we I could go on for a while about why Ancelotti, you know, there's a good chance it wouldn't have worked, but he's he's gone now and, and Everton have got to look forward. So that's what we'll that's what we'll do. Um in the days that have followed, it's it's very much the uh <laughs> It's very much the same old with, with Everton in that it, it looks like there's no structure or plan, you know, contingency plan in place for when they've lost the manager. Uh, there seems to be a lot of names getting banded about, a lot of different styles, philosophies. Um, and I must say, Josh, I don't know how it looks to you, but it does just scream like it's um, a club without a plan again, you know, kind of just going from scratch um, you're seeing like Farhad Mashiri, you know, he's being quoted of saying he's really impressed with certain managers. I've said before, I said it recently on, on social media, I, I I know it's really tough because Farhad Mashiri is obviously pumping a, a lot of money in this project and therefore he, who, who, who are we to say that you should be stepping aside in these situations or decisions? But I think you should. If you want, if you want more bang for your buck if you want to see an investment to lead to success then you should be leaving this to the football people um, but he seems to have a big say in it all doesn't he and as a result Josh it's just a little bit messy isn't it it is it's I must admit that I've got to say it. I think it's a terrible time for this to happen to Everton um, you know I, I, about even as, as recently as six months ago regarding this job we, we could have listed a series of really exciting names that could have been linked to this job. Everton could have explored the possibility of recruiting some of these. And it seems like almost all of them have recently got new jobs. So Everton, it, it feels like, in this case, through no fault of their own, because nobody envisaged Ancelotti leaving, it feels like Everton have been left almost with lasts. Um, and it's it's going to be difficult to get this appointment right, I think, because just because of the the lacking availability out there at the minute, and how new how many new jobs have come about recently. Um, in terms of what you said regarding Brandt, you know, director of football, I, I would love to know what he does day to day, and and how different maybe his role is to a typical sporting director, because in, in a typical situation like this the sporting director would lead the recruitment process and, and would source some form of coach who suits whatever style of play you want to represent but it feels like in situations like this it feels like Brands is in place to recruit players but and regarding the manager or, or whatever seems to go above his head or, or certainly he's only one voice of, of, of many you know at least three it feels um, so I'm not sure and I think when it comes to Mishiri although I've praised in, in the past his willingness to invest you know his desire to to get Everton into the top six the top four whatever I do think he's come across a lot 
as a little bit naive, a little bit impatient, and almost as though Everton is a bit of a... I need to probably say this carefully, but like Everton's a bit of a toy that he's kind of not playing with, but, you know, it's his own entertainment. He wants to get involved and stuff like that, but I think he'd benefit from taking a step back, like you say, and and letting the football people who are actually qualified to do this sort of thing, because it's not an easy thing. It's every, every single person, every man on the street thinks he can do a manager's role or recruit a certain player or whatever. Everyone's got an opinion on everything, but when it comes to actually putting it in place, being successful and consistently good, it's it's not easy. And I think he'd be better leaving it to Brantz, and I'm not sure Brantz has got the power to... Uh, to basically do what he wants, and I'd be, I'd be I'd be curious to see what he would do in this situation on his own. Yeah, I totally agree. I think how I always look at Mashiri is uh, the it, of his whole time. If I look at the appointments he's made, the one that stands out that might be a little bit more underrated compared to others is um, is the silver one, and. I get the impression with Mashiri, despite him being so heavily involved, you know, in a football club, I do get the impression that he's his his understanding of the game is is that of maybe a man on the street. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful to him or, you know, an, an average Joe football fan. Uh because nothing's wrong with that. But then it is for the position you're in, the position he's in. And the influence he wants to have on decisions, like he was really infatuated with Marco Silva, and it felt like that birthed from Watford having a really good start of the campaign where they they were in the top four. But I feel like maybe people with a bit more football knowledge would appreciate or understand that that was probably not going to be sustainable. You know, just a good run of form that would drop off at some point. And he probably would need to prove himself a little bit more, you know, before being considered for the job like Everton's. Of course, he, he then goes and gets sacked after the form falls off a cliff. And a lot of people put it down to, you know, having his head, his head turned by Everton's interest. But to me, it, it just felt like they continued to pursue him. Uh, and, you know, we've, we've spoke quite fairly about Silva. Seems a little bit unlucky, but... Um, he still probably wasn't the right manager, was he, for, for Everton? And then I think there was better candidates that could have been pursued. Maybe if he would have left it to to Brands. And as you, Brands, I do believe, will have a voice, but I just don't think he has the loudest voice in the room, uh, and he doesn't get the final say. And that's and that's the big issue. Um, and then I think it's, and, go on. I was going to say I think it's interesting as well how you know when he was appointed, he. You know, it was around the time when Arsenal appointed Arteta, and there was a bit of there was comparisons, wasn't there? Because both Arteta was linked with Everton as well, and Chelsea was linked with Arsenal, and there was kind of a bit of a crossover there. And I can't remember exactly what we said on it, but I, I certainly recall being more in the Arteta camp for Arsenal. And looking at the situation now, eighteen months later. I wouldn't say Arteta's done a brilliant job. You know, a lot of people would look at Arsenal and, and suggest that, well, he hasn't really done anything. But I think the difference is, the way Everton now are essentially back where they started 18 months ago, you know, zero movements in any direction, really, apart from the developments of 
individuals, say Carvalho Lewin. But I think Arsenal, although the results maybe haven't really coincided with this just yet, they they are, in my opinion, very clearly progressing towards at least an identity, at least some form of style of play where they start to govern proceedings, they start to dominate the ball, dominate the territory, all that sort of stuff, integrate youth, and they start to just all that towards the direction, towards an identity and stuff. And I think Everton would benefit from from doing something like that. I don't know if they will this time around, but when when they didn't last time, and Arsenal did, it's it, it's it's kind of evidence now that eighteen months later, Everton is still at that starting point really. Whereas Arsenal, although the results aren't on the side just yet, that at least they've at least started moving. That the, the ball is rolling at least. Yeah, we were. You know, you, you, you're you right to bring Arteta because we, we did talk about it because we we look, basically looked at both candidates and, um, you know, results-wise, it hasn't gone... Oh, it hasn't always go, gone Arsenal's way. You know, they, they've took a lot of criticism under Arteta. I don't think it's been perfect, but I do agree. They have a philosophy. They know what they're recruiting for. They know the style of play. And I don't forget, they did finish above Everton this season. Okay, it was tight. They only leapfrogged them on the final day, but they still finished above Everton. They've won an FA Cup in that time. In, in that time, um, and they're better suited now to to build this this year with with Everton. Are. So again, you know, Arteta has made mistakes as you'd expect from a young coach, and they get scrutinised a lot more because he's at a big club like Arsenal. But at least they're on the right path. Where, as you said, Everton. Are, back to the start um, and a little bit like where do we go from here and I do think a lot of that Josh causes almost like a, an infighting amongst Everton fans which then has a domino effect in terms of things like how much patience they're given how much support a manager gets because you'll have some people in the camp of like um, you know a Moise or something you know that philosophy maybe Nuno Sitting, sitting a little bit deeper, you know, more pragmatic. Then you'll have people out there who want to see like a an expansive game. So they'll be saying, well, no, Everton should be going for Graham Potter or they should be going for Ten Hag or whatever from, from Ajax. Um, then you might have people who, you know, want a more high intense philosophy, I don't know, Ralph Ragnick, whatever. And, you know, there's just, it causes this conflict. If you, if you understand what I'm trying to say, a fan level. And it probably happens at a wider kind of, well, sorry, maybe at the club level as well, where brands might be wanting to go one way, machinery's going another. And it just causes this mess that it feels like Everton are in at the moment. Yeah, and it's it's something that Everton kind of needs to, they, they, they need to just get it right, really. They need to get the next one right. And as I said, it's not a good time for this to be happening. It's not an easy time to recruit for this sort of thing, especially considering Everton are, Really unlikely to have planned ahead for this eventuality because it, it it caught me off guard. You know, it caught you off guard. I'm assuming, and it's it's going to be a difficult one to get right. But certainly, just I mean, in terms of Arteta, the it, it's it, it hasn't been the greatest appointment, and it it could have been better maybe by by getting someone in who won't have to learn his lessons on the job at such a massive club. Sometimes you'll be able to get someone in who. Will have already learned his lessons beforehand, and we'll just get to your club and almost be ready to deliver a little bit. Like I think of Brendan Rodgers, to be to be honest, when it comes to Leicester, he did all his learning at Liverpool, 
at Celtic in the Championship. He only got sacked once or twice, I think. And now he's at a point now at Leicester where he's he's kind of done all his learning and he's now at a point where he's more able to just deliver. Um, and I think I saw a start at the end of the season over the course of the past two campaigns, although Leicester haven't actually finished in the top four, they've spent, I think, more time, more days in the top four than than any other side in, in the Premier League over the course of the past two seasons, with the exception of maybe Liverpool. But even Liverpool, I think they might have been ahead of. Um, so I think Everton needs to strike the balance of getting a coach in who's going to kind of drive them to a new level, but crucially in a direction towards an identity, while also being able to deliver results along the way. Um, because I think, you know, I, I think that's that's appreciated by the Everton fan base. I think results are, are really prioritised, which is understandable, you know. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. That was a good segue to to look at some of the names that are being linked um, with the job. Now... The, the way I've done this is the uh, the easiest way possible. I've just had a look at the, the betting odds. Um, maybe what I'll, we'll do, Joshua, we'll just run through a few names, but we'll just keep the answers very brief and we'll we'll go into a bit more detail on on the favourite, which at the time recording is uh, Nuno Espirito Santo, uh, former Wolves manager, as we know, who's now even money to be the next Everton manager. Be interesting to see by the time people listen to this if that's still the case because these things tend to move quick. Uh, but next on the list, Josh, David Moyes, <laughs> <laughs> the prince, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the return of the sweet prince. <laughs> it's funny actually because uh, you know if you if you look at Moyes since since he's left Everton, um, every managerial vacancy that Everton have had, Moyes has been linked in some some form or another. And I think that kind of captures how, since Moyes, <clears throat> almost similar to Manchester United since Ferguson and Arsenal since Wenger, those long-term traditional managers, you know, not a head coach, a manager who kind of did it all. Sporting director's role was included in that back in the premiership years, maybe. I think Everton have since lacked some form of direction and they're always inclined to look back towards Moyes as... That was kind of when we had it, in, and we had it alongside being able to be competitive, basically. Because Everton, you know, they finished. I think did they finish fourth one season? Liverpool, yeah. Liverpool. Yeah, they were. You know, there was a fourth finish. You know, there was a spell of maybe five years where it was top five or six every year. Um, you know, there was a lot. There was a there was, there was good times there. Um, my personal opinion is, and I've been impressed by the by the job he's done at West Ham. I still think there's a really good margin in there, but I just think you, you'll never replicate what you've got. And Everton are just a different club now. You know, it's a it, it's a different field to it. There's, there's finances available and things. And 
yeah, not for me personally. Uh, but good luck to him. You know, it is nice to see him do well. Um, Josh, next on the list, a man you'll you'll know well, Rafa, Rafa Benitez. This is an interesting one. This because I, I actually think he'd take the job. Um, I don't think he's you know he's been at Chelsea, he's been at Liverpool. It doesn't seem to phase him too much. And when I look at him, you know, I I, I covered him for years because you, I'm obviously a, a Liverpool fan, so he's extremely good on a tactical side of things. Good at getting the supporters on side. Whether that be the case with Evertonian, I'm not sure, given his history at Liverpool. But and I said to you a few weeks back, didn't I? A few days ago. If you look at the ownership he's had to deal with over the past decade, he's generally had to cope under what you'd probably label as tough circumstances. You know, Hicks and Gillette at Liverpool, Real Madrid, it's it's historically difficult at conditions to survive for a manager over there. Um, I think Inter Milan were a little bit messy at the time. Obviously, he spent time at Chelsea. Again, he was lambasted at times, weren't he? And I think if he was given... Proper invest, obviously Newcastle as well. Did I mention Newcastle? Yeah, Mike actually, you know, there was lots of conflict there. I think if he was brought in by Everton, although we, you could label him as in the Ancelotti mould, I think if he was given a bit of investment and he was able to shape a squad how he wanted to, you know, he brought the likes of Xavi Alonso to Liverpool. That was a Rafa Benitez sign, and that wasn't like a Liverpool thing. That was a Rafa Benitez sign, and that, and he did that with a few players. I think Torres might have been another one. So, I do actually rate Rafa really highly, and I think Everton could certainly do worse than him. Um, I also think he's got, he, he wants to be competitive. He would be the type of manager who maybe could get Everton to punch a little bit higher than the weights because of his ability on a tactical side of things and how well dilled he can get Everton. So, on that one, Everton could do worse, but it also feels like he could do better at the same time. He could get someone who's maybe a bit more of a better fit for, fit for the club. Yeah, um, this is the least I've hated the Rafa Benitez links because they've been there a lot over the past few years due to Evans, you know, managerial turnover. And this is definitely the least I've hated them. I think he's, he's one of the better names being banded about, but I'm also in agreement that, you know, there's there's one or two others that, you know, maybe Evans should be going for ahead. But as I say, I don't hate it as, as much as I have in years gone by. Previously, I've said no. Uh, whereas now would be like open to it. Um, Eddie Howe, let's keep this brief. No, I wouldn't. Same, same. That's it. I just think he's. Uh, I don't think he's up to it. To be honest with you, I think he needs a another Bournemouth-sized club to to go again. Um, I, just, I can't believe some people have been saying this one, but Duncan Ferguson. Uh, again, no, I wouldn't. No, I, I think that would be a recipe for disaster, especially with someone who's such a, you know, a club icon, really. You know, that could really sour his, uh, his status. Cause I, think I, I, actually think, I actually think we touched on that one last time when he was temporarily in charge because um, people were calling for him then to stay in charge because he was doing fairly well at the time. And I can't remember exactly what we said, but I feel like we covered it at the time as to why long-term it's probably not... Not the best move. Yeah, that's it. Uh, just just keeping for the uh, the ever regular interim manager roles because uh, Everton always seems to need them every couple of seasons. Uh, Graham Potter. Now, Graham Potter is really interesting. I couldn't. I don't. 
I don't know if to name the journalist. I don't think I will. You know, I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll be a good lad and I won't. But I saw one journalist in particular this month say something along the sorry this week saying something along the lines of uh, Marco Silva, Eddie Howe, Gray and Potter may as well bring back Big Sam or something like that. And <laughs> I just can't for the life of me see how people put Gray and Potter in that company. You know, I, I, to me. No disrespect, it, it feels like you, you haven't watched a lot of, of Brighton at all this year and you don't really pay attention to what's going on in the Premier League. Like I know the points haven't been coming for them, but they look a really well-coached team and I do believe that he'll go on to be a really good manager. That being said, I don't believe Evans the right place for them. Uh, I think Gulson Park would chew him up and spit him out very quickly because um, the style of play he plays and you know, I feel like if results didn't go to plan, like they haven't been at Brighton, uh, that, you know, it could turn sour very quickly. he come in with very little support, I think. And, yeah, just a recipe for disaster. I think he can go and be a good manager somewhere else, a bigger club than Brighton, but maybe not, not Everton. Yeah, I think I'm inclined to agree on that one. He's got Brighton. I really rate him highly. And uh, he's got Brighton really, really well coached. He just hasn't been able to translate performances into results just yet but how much of that is his fault remains to be seen in my opinion the manager is responsible for the performance of the team and then when it comes to actually putting the ball in the net you know he can't Potter can't really do that Potter needs his players to do that he can get his team coached to generate shots and things like that generate good scoring opportunities but he can't put the ball in the net and he can't save the ball as well from staying out of his own net and I think Brighton have had issues in those two departments this season, hence the lack of results. But, yeah, I think he he would bring some sort of direction, certainly, an identity. But I think the identity, again, it wouldn't really represent what I feel is Everton as a club and Everton as a team. I think he... he, he almost, this is going to sound a bit a bit weird, maybe, but he comes across as too nice. Um, and, as you said, getting chewed up by Goodison Park and things... I think Everton need just a bit of a different one. I'm not really sure where to go on that one, but I, I do agree for some reason. <laughs> Is there, uh, I'll just read, rather than do yeah or no these, I'll just read them out and let me know if anyone of interest stands out. There's um, Sergio Conceio, you know, Porto's manager. Conceio. Uh, oh, Conceio, sorry. You know, he's been with, with me long enough. Uh, good, good job, he's not coming. <laughs> uh, Ralph Ragnick and then Fra- Frank Lampard. You know any of those three? I think. Um, I think Ragnick is in be... there as well. Yeah, yeah. I think Ragnick could be an interesting one. Um, purely because of obviously he's he's got a history of. Oh, Everton. We've talked about that Everton lack. He has a history of establishing. He's really really good at that, and I actually think the. The playing style he typically represents, I do think, is a good fit for Everton as a club. You know, when I think of Everton, and this is why I think people are inclined to say give Duncan Ferguson the job, because people are inclined to think he just kind of gets it. And he get, people feel that way because he's he's just he almost personifies the the unique qual- qualities of Everton. You know, when I think of Everton as a red, I think um, you know, ag- aggressive, 
intimidating. Um, direct football to an extent, not necessarily where it's direct as in the ball's in the air all the time, just direct as in the ball moves from A to B fairly quickly. Um, you know, no long possession sequences or slow football, practical football. That's what I think of kind of when I think of Everton. Maybe it was because I grew up watching David Moyes' team and stuff, but that's kind of what I think of. And I think Rangich could establish some sort of thing there. The only issue with Rangich, I don't think he'd get the power that he needs to do that. I think Mashiri would be reluctant to give him that. And I can't see a fit there for that reason. Yeah, I agree. I think... uh... He seems to like a lot of control. Obviously, he's just come from a very controlling role, really. You know, kind of being head of sports at the RB group, you know, at Red Bull group. And and then maybe coming into a setup like Evans, where the owner likes to chip in. You know, Bill Kenwright likes to chip in. You've got Marcel Brands, the director of football. You know, what's, what's the saying? Is it too many chefs in the kitchen or too many cooks in the kitchen? Uh, you know, that could be a, that could be a problem. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chilling by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. The main man, though, who's, who's, who's most heavily linked now is obviously Nuno, uh, who left Bulls at the end of the season. Um, I thought we'll we'll briefly touch on him, Josh, um, in terms of his style, because what, what, what I've noticed is, despite him being like a Premier League manager, there's, there's people who aren't entirely sure Know what his style is like. Um, obviously, we previewed Wolves teams, you know, on on this show on analyzing Anfield, all the similar. So, you know, we know that they're predominantly a three at the back formation. Um, we know they're really kind of passive as a side. I mean, that gone up and that went up a notch this year. You know, it might come on. The reasons for that will probably come on to. Uh, but they were second behind only Newcastle in terms of having the most um, relaxed PPDA average this season, which is basically a metric for um, analysing aggressiveness of a press high up the pitch. Uh, and theirs was the second most relaxed, really, across the whole of Europe, which kind of tells you something. Uh, tells you that they're the side who, who prefer to let the opposition have the ball sit in and then hit teams on the counter. Um, they were really effective at it last year, because they had some really good players. Um, obviously, this year they've they've lost Jota, um, they lost Jimenez. Still got some really good players, you know, that's all pedants and things. But I think it's just it's hindered them a little bit, hasn't it, Josh? And that might be one of the reasons why they've they struggled this campaign. Calling it a day for them was probably the right time. Just a little bit more on that PPDA thing. So when it comes to pressures. Recorded by Statsbomb. Um, pressures in the final third of the pitch, defensive pressures. So, top of the table for Europe's top five leagues this season was Liverpool, then Bayern Munich, and then RB Leipzig. So, all inclined to press really high up the pitch, whereas at the very bottom, 
98th, you've got Cadiz. 97th, you've got LJ. And 96th, you have Wolves. So, in terms of pressing high up the field, I suppose, there's obviously various other departments you can determine a style of play from. But in terms of pressing high up the field and being in the face of your opponents, I suppose, Wolves were really, really reluctant to do that. And they have been reluctant to do that under, under Nuno. So, in terms of being a really proactive team, aggressive side, maybe, I wouldn't really label that on Wolves, certainly without the ball. With the ball, I think they've always, maybe a bit less so this season, but with the ball, they've been able to, despite their approach, you know, it's not been particularly dominant, it's not been particularly attacking. One thing with them, they've always been able to retain some form of attacking threat, regardless of whatever shape they're playing, whatever approach they're going with. They've always been able to retain that threat. Obviously, they've caused Manchester City a few problems over the years, They've got really quick, suitable players on the break. Um, they do interesting little things from set pieces. So it'd be an interesting appointment. Um, but yeah, I think his style of play in particular would be, would be, I suppose, a concern if Everton supporters in particular are wanting to be entertained a bit more, essentially, because uh, I don't think he's inclined to offer that. Unless, but at the same time, we're offering... Sorry, we're talking about Wolves here, so he could be the type of coach who would change his approach if he was given Manchester City squad or or whatever. But I think if he was given Everton squad, which in terms of quality, I don't think is too different to Wolves now. I doubt he changed too much. Yeah, that that's that's one thing I think. Um, I mean, I look at the squad's profile now. I think one big problem Everton have is. I think they've got that defensive solidity. You know, they could certainly set up the way he'd set Wolves up and they'd be difficult to bypass because they had a lot of success doing this under Ancelotti. But they just haven't got that pace on the counter at all. And that's going to be a sticking point. And if he does come in, that needs to be a priority in this summer window. You need to buy players who've got pace who can, who can you know, play on the counter. But... It's where the Everton fans are going to enjoy kind of watching that again, you know, because there was a lot of that under Ancelotti. You know, we'll have to see. I must admit, I don't hate the appointment. I'm just not blown blown away by it either. I think it could be a a steady uh, a, a, a steady pair of hands come in. You know, I don't know. I didn't know enough about Assad at say Valencia. You know, I don't know what their style was. Um, maybe it was a little bit more expansive, a little bit more tough minded. Um, he he could be a success. Um, I, it's probably out to six, six out of ten for me in terms of, you know, and coming in and what what I'm expecting six or seven out of ten. Um, I, w- I will say, that? yeah, I will say, you know, when I first saw the link, I suppose he was kind of a little bit of a roll your eyes moment for me, but then once I delved into it a little bit deeper, I started listening pros and cons actually before the podcast and I'm actually a lot more in favour of it now than I was this morning um, simply because I do think A, what I've said a few times already that this is a really difficult time to make disappointments there's just so many managerial changes that have happened that almost restrict Devon a little bit I think if you was to get Nuno in in this period I do think that would be a decent appointment again you have a limited floor then I don't think you drop below a certain level 
he speaks really good English. He communicates really well with the fans. Um, you know, he certainly had that bond at Wolves. I think he's able to formulate competitive game plans without being a dominant side that plays on the halfway line. You know, um, I think you could probably level out that he improved players. You know, considering what he's done with the likes of Jota, Jimenez, Adama Traore, he's massively improved. Connor Cody's massively improved under him. Um, I think you could give him the the perk that he punches above his weight when it comes to finishing certain positions in the league. And I think also as well, I think it would be really interesting to see how he would fare with Everton's recruitment department because he's worked at Wolves. Wolves clearly got it really, really right for a few years. You could argue they still are, really. Um, so I think if Everton were kind of recruiting in a, in a bad way, essentially, I think Nuno would have almost kind of like the expertise to to know where they're going wrong almost. I feel like from a Liverpool perspective, I feel like Klopp really helped with that at Liverpool. Obviously, where he, he just came from Dortmund. Dortmund are renowned for being really good recruiters. They had the director of football over there. And I think some some coaches, some managers just know how it works a bit a bit more than others. I think David Moyes also ticks that box in terms of just, just understanding recruitment. So... Although there's there's downsides there, like you know the fact that he's he's been limited to a back three at Wolves and he's maybe struggled to switch. The football can be dire at times and um and that sort of stuff. I I do think I'd probably go a little bit higher than the six. I'd probably say maybe a seven out of ten if the if the were pointed in, but I'm not sure where it'd go or the ceiling he could potentially reach. But there's there's a few perks in there. Yeah, your uh, your compelling case there maybe. Raised it to a six and a half. Uh, you know, if he, <laughs> if he brings a fair few Mendes players as well, then you know we'll we'll, we'll call it a seven because that'll be a nice little pair. Um, before we round off, Josh, we, we couldn't do a, a podcast like this without maybe just throwing a name in the hat ourselves. Um, I'll let you go first if you like it. Just someone that you maybe would have. Would have liked to have seen Everton linked, or think they could have done okay, or is it someone we've already discussed? Again, it's hard. It, <laughs> um, I think when you look at what Everton kind of need, I'll be totally honest, and I'll probably get stick for this. I think Everton will really benefit from someone like not him, but someone like Stephen Gerrard. Funnily enough, I think he's at the stage of his career where he's wanting to prove himself. I think if you if you look at his performances at Rangers, what he's won at Rangers, hasn't lost a single game all season in the Scottish Premiership. He looks really, really exciting, really, really encouraging. And then if you think of him as a person and the style of football he represents, I think he's almost typically scouts in terms of the, the, the playing style and stuff. And I think Everton would... would be able to attach themselves to a style of play like that. That's that's quite, you know, you don't roll over. You're always competitive, really strong mentality, pressing, direct football, less of an emphasis on possession. So I actually think if Gerard didn't have his Liverpool background, I'd probably really be pushing that as a good move. But obviously it's a no-goer. So I think Everton kind of need that sort of appointment, though, a youthful coach who's going to offer new ideas, who, who wants to achieve but will also adequately represent the city almost and, and whatever it is as a club. So 
the, the likes of Adi Hutter and Marco Rose and Jesse Marsh have been taken already. Oliver Glasner has been taken. All changed jobs recently, but it's it's hard, Dave, to get to get this one right. I think one name I'd just throw out there, but I don't think it'll be much of a goer, and I don't think I'll get many shouts for this, to be honest. But I, I do think if you look at the links and the pros and stuff, I think Harrison Huttle is an insistent little name to throw in there. I know he hasn't had the best time at Southampton just yet, but again, if you're looking at him as a person, the style of play represents what he did certainly at Leipzig in terms of punching above his weight. You could look at the players he's improved at Southampton. You know, Ward Prowse has certainly improved. Danny Ings has really scored under him. So, you know, Vestergaard's been playing playing really well under him and stuff. So, I think it's it's one to throw in there purely because of just the links. You know, all the all the things that Everton and Everton boss, in my opinion, needs to tick. I think Harrison Tuttle t- ticks a fair amount, but um, I'm not sure that one's a goer. What do you think on that one? Yeah, I can see. Uh, you know, I, I can see. I can see why, and I remember us talking about having that need for that aggressiveness. You know, in an Everton manager before Ancelotti come in. I think we basically did a podcast like this, didn't we? Um, the only thing that's changed a little bit, in my opinion, it, with it is I look at the squad and I'm like, I just couldn't imagine that this squad. That's my issue. Yeah, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't imagine this squad playing this kind of football. So then I think, here we go again, where you have to go into the market and basically buy a whole new team. And I just don't. I think Everton need to improve whilst being competitive. It's something we've we've said, and I think it'd be. I think Casual Hooten or someone similar would struggle. Um, what I would say is. Quickly on Gerard, I feel like if Gerard had like Aaron Cresswell's career path, I think that'd be a goer. I just think he's he's so clearly in love with Liverpool. Like he's the Rangers manager, and he's his profile picture on Instagram is still like a Liverpool <laughs> kind of you know um, memorial thing or whatever. So he's you know he's so staunch Liverpool. I don't think it would happen, but I think he he is going to be a really good manager and probably Liverpool manager. And then you think long term. Would an Everton manager then go on to manage Liverpool? Is he shooting himself in foot wanting that dream job? So, yeah, I don't think it'll ever happen, but I can see why you'd say it. I'm dedicating my pick um, to... I was talking to... I periodically talk to Andy McGregor, who if you might know, he is L Pivots on Twitter. Um, and occasionally pop up, just talking a little bit like Everton news, you know, trying to get away from doing it on the... On the uh, there's vacuum of Twitter and social media, um, and he he said a manager that I didn't think of. Uh, it ties in with a lot of names you mentioned, Josh, um, about a couple of minutes ago. You know, with that Bundesliga connection, um, even though Swedish. Um, let me know what your thoughts are. Is, I'll, can I'll I just, can I, I'm going to say, can I guess who this might be? Yeah, go on. It's not a. The, the, the fellow at New York Red Bulls, is he? No, no, no. It's uh, no, it's that. Okay, go on. Yeah, Lucien Favre. Okay. Uh, uh you know, uh, was at, at at Dortmund. Uh, since being sacked. Um, but 
I at first I was like, okay, yeah, you know, we did all right, but he, he touched briefly on the success he had, obviously at Gladbach uh, and Nice, and I was like. That's, yeah, that, you know, what he done there, obviously, he went in when they were bottom of the league with Gladbach. F- for me, they're a very, very similar sized club to Everton, I'd say, you know, a German. Oh, well, actually, you know, they've picked up bloody European Cups, but, which Everton haven't. Uh, but, you know, just in terms of like a, a, a big, a big name that was probably under, underachieved and they were bottom of the league at the time, keeps them up. But he come in when it was, you know, they were 22 games into the season, bottom of the league, seven points adrift, keeps them up. Then next season, they go and qualify for the Champions League. I think he gets them third at some point as well. He's there for four years, you know, does really well, implements a good system, uh, moves on and goes to Nice and gets them in the in the top three of league one for the first time in, you know, X amount of years as well. Uh, leads on to getting the job at Dortmund's. Uh, it, it does relatively okay Dortmund doesn't obviously achieve what he wants to in terms of winning the league but makes them a really competitive side but I think just the, the way he done in the, those two clubs previously um, there's just similarities with Everton there I think he's a big enough name that you know there would be potential you'd still be some pull later to come to the club if Everton could land him now he hasn't been linked which says to me, one, the club aren't looking, and two, maybe it's not even a goer. I'm not even sure if he speaks English. You assume he does, but you just don't know. So it might never be a goal, but I just thought I'd dedicate my pick to what was a decent out-of-the-box suggestion by by Andy. Yeah, no, I don't mind that one. I I think that's a good shout. I think he's, unlike Ancelotti as well, he's kind of, you could argue he's, he's achieved decent progression at clubs that you could almost level at a little bit of a similar size to Everton in, in, in many ways. You know, the likes of Gladbach, Nice, Dortmund, Hertha Berlin, you know, clubs like that. I do think it's there's kind of a bit of a track record there that's actually translatable, that's actually applicable. And he, he's certainly got an interesting style of play, whether about his work in the past before. And I don't think it's, it's you know, utopian in the way that you, you're defending 50 yards from goal and Everton's very modern and aggressive and I think when it comes to mentioning Hasenhull, that was just more of I think Everton would benefit from that sort of identity but I do agree that in terms of right now, it looks a bit unsuited hence why I think Nuno would be probably a better pick right now than Hasenhull, although I think in terms of a club fit, Hasenhull feels a better fit uh, to Everton but yeah, it's, it's one of them that's difficult to get right and I think Everton should probably, right now, maybe appoint someone like Favre or or, or Nuno. And while I've got the, them in charge and they were, they're remaining competitive with them, building with them, they should maybe start recruiting players who are going to be able to execute maybe a bit more of a aggressive and mobile and intense style of play so that maybe the next man after this man can start getting Everton to play what we kind of have a idea is Everton football, if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, I don't mind that shouting. But it's, as you say, it hasn't really been linked just yet, so it's a shame. Yeah, because obviously he's, 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 he's also not at a club, so you haven't got that mess to deal with. 
And everything he said was right there, by the way. I think he can, he's pragmatic, but also is better style of play, like a different kind of pragmatic to what you've seen at Ancelotti, uh, a little bit more attacking. And, you know, that could just be a nice direction to go towards whilst, as you touched on, you know, doing everything else in between with the philosophy and things, you know, kind of heading towards an, an end goal, heading towards an identity, but being competitive along the way. And he'd be the type of person who could, who could do it. Um, but we'll have to see, you know, there's going to be a lot of twists and turns over the next week or two. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll watch from afar and see, see, see what happens. And, you know, once the dust has settled and the new man comes in, uh, me and Josh will be back to to talk about it further and preview a few more things. You know, we did we were looking to do maybe a little scouting scouting podcast on players, but that seems futile at the moment. You know, we may as well see who's going to be the actual manager first. But we'll round it up there. Um, it was only meant to be half an hour podcast, Josh, but here we are, fifty five minutes in. Um, <laughs> thank you, mate. Uh, as always. Yeah, no worries, mate. Hopefully, I can get this one right. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in and take care. Cheers. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.